It's Friday, June 29th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master's Student in Civil Engineering and the podcast's homeless person, and with me today is Molly Quell, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Sick and Miserable Person, our third podcast host, Gordon Derrick, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and World Champion Schwalbe Performer, isn't here today. Does this mean we uh, have a pun-free episode this week? I'm sure our listeners can only hope that that's how this episode is going to go. Yes, and we hope that too. And uh, why are you uh, sick and miserable? Uh, Are you familiar with germ theory, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) A bit. I have a really awful head cold, and it's very annoying. So my apologies to the listeners for how crappy I sound. Yes, and if I die next week, we know uh, why. Yeah, but it could be because you're homeless. Yes, that's true. Why why were you sleeping on the top of the library roof, Paul? Well, I was uh, sitting inside the library for all day, and then I saw how nice it was, and I went outside, and I sat on the roof because the the roof is uh, a giant grass, uh, grassy... uh, uh, field. field, I guess, and uh, I was uh, la- laying there and I closed my eyes for a moment and uh, woke uh, up ten hours later. No, not ten hours. I assume I don't know. Sometime later. Where is Gordon today? I don't know. Do you? No, I have no idea. He he just said uh, last week that he wasn't going to come <laughs> this week, and uh, I- I'm not sure if he will ever come back. Actually. Yeah, me either. I want to just say I'm not coming anymore. Can I do that? <laughs> yeah, sure, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. And what is would a, be better uh, for my health, though. I know, right? Yeah. What is uh, Schwalbe, and why is he a world champion at it? Um, a Schwalbe is a um, during a fo- you, did, did you have you ever watched a football game? Yes, I watch American football all the time. No, no, no. It's an excellent S- sport. Or how you prefer to call it, soccer game. Uh, yes, I've seen soccer. Before. Okay, so sometimes a a, a player. Uh, drops himself on the ground very theatrically, acting as if he was kicked down or something like that. Okay. But nothing happened, but you just fall to the ground in the hope that uh, the other player or the other team will be punished. That's called a Schwalbe. Why is it called a Schwalbe? It's a German word, but I, I'm, I'm not sure what the actual is it meaning is. A German word for you're being a big baby? Uh, probably, okay. yeah, I think so, yeah. And uh, what happened to Gordon, that he, he was, was uh, uh, schwalbeing? Yeah, he said yesterday that he was uh, going for a run yesterday morning and that he fell to the ground for some mysterious reason. Is that why he's not here today? No, because he uh, he said before that that he wasn't going to come. Oh, sure. But he uh, he did uh, twist his ankle, though. So uh, we wish him uh, very good health and uh, get, uh, get well soon and uh, get your ass here uh, next week. You don't wish that for me. I'm also sick, Paul. Yeah, it, it, Gordon is. There is no danger of Gordon giving me a twisted ankle right now. I'm in immediate danger of getting sick from you. That's true. That's uh, that's the reason. I can work on trying to give you a twisted ankle, though. <laughs> no, Paul. What is the uh, the opf of the week? It's like the this whole podcast is just super depressing. There's like no fun news. There's like nothing to make fun of. It's all just like very serious. Uh, we will try to do our best to make fun of everything that's uh, that we discuss in this what, podcast. What are you going to make fun of? Like a, an attack on journalism? Uh, yeah, yeah. Gordon has been attacked too <laughs> by the by a curb. Yeah, by a curb. Yeah, enough. that's true. Um, but the opf of the week. Well, yeah, what you mentioned that the 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 building of the largest daily newspaper in the Netherlands, the Telegraaf, was attacked with a uh, with a car. 
Uh, we will hear more about that later in this podcast. Uh, but um, yeah, the Telegraaf is a conservative, right-wing and somewhat populist newspaper. And for that, it's either loved or hated by uh, by some people. Um, well, despite that, politicians and other journalists were shocked by this attack and it was uh, immediately condemned by, uh, by everybody, obviously. Uh, however, a day later at a conference for Dutch mayors, writer Tommy Wieringa, your best friend Molly, was speaking there and he joked that the attack was about time. The, the upheft that emerged was not only because many people, and among them Geert Wilders, found the joke uh, inappropriate or offensive, but also because the joke received loud laughter from uh, from the mayors uh, who were present in uh, in the room. This is such a tasteless thing for him to say. Yeah, but I already don't like him, so this was. I just thought that this was super tasteless. Yeah. and I'm like not a conservative right wing person, so. No, no, no. You just you just hate him for for the things he wrote. Yeah, well, his books are terrible, and he's yeah. kind of a jerk, and this just proves that he's kind of a jerk. Although I do find it kind of rich that Wilders was out complaining about this and saying that like these mayors who laugh should resign given his life. They should be fired. Oh yeah, should be yeah. fired. Yeah, given his track record with generally being a jerk. Yes, and uh, and and his uh, you know, he he always says that freedom of speech is the highest uh, right in 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 the Netherlands and uh, apparently unless it's someone else's speech. Unless it's someone else's speech. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and I, I'm, I think we should either decide if we can make fun of everything or we can make fun of nothing, either one. And, 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 and if somebody makes a joke, then who cares? Just shrug and move on. Yeah, I mean, I think that like there's there can be a time and a place for inappropriate or borderline inappropriate jokes. And I don't think that like a jerk gathering of politicians is a great on the next on day, the next day sure, is a yeah, great moment i agree i joke. agree but still i mean if he would have made this joke in a month then then uh, i think Geert Wilders would have complained anyway so. yeah well of course it's Geert Wilders yeah uh, this week we had so much political news that we will cover it all in our discussion not all of it. We forgot about the climate change bill. Yes, but we will uh, add that in later. We're going to add that yeah, in. We're gonna... Pretend like we didn't forget about <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going to improvise on the climate bill. As we... It sounds like what they're doing on the climate bill anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You see, we're making fun. As we uh, mentioned at the top in the Ophef, police in Amsterdam are investigating an attack on the Telegraph newspaper after a van drove into the building and burst into flames this week. Security camera footage of Tuesday morning's attack on the company's editorial offices near the Sloterdijk station in Amsterdam shows the white van making two attempts to plow into the building before the driver gets out and sets the van on fire. He then runs off into a waiting car. Police say they have found what they think to be the Audi used as a getaway vehicle on a slip road leading to the A10 motorway. That car had also been set on fire. The motivation for the attack isn't clear, but in a statement, the police suggested the attack might be related to recent investigations into organized crime. Yes, uh, it wasn't the only um, literal attack on the press recently, wasn't it? No, and we are not referring to the shooting at a, a newspaper in the U.S. At a or the curb attack yeah, by, uh, exactly. by a scavening a By scavening a beach. Yeah. Um, no, last week the nearby offices of the Panorama Weekly News magazine were shot by an anti-tank missile. Um, a 41-year-old member of a motorbike gang has been arrested in connection with that incident. It's unclear if these two events are uh, are related, but it seems like a pretty intense week to be working as a journalist in this, uh, yeah, this place. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Almost all of the 220 tons of fuel oil that leaked into the port of Rotterdam after an oil tanker hit a jetty has been cleaned up. 
The accident happened on Saturday while the ship was empty and docking to be reloaded. The port authority was able to seal the harbour before large quantities of oil could float to surrounding waters, but despite that hundreds of swans were covered in oil. A major cleanup operation was set up immediately after the accident. Rijkswaterstaat opened an emergency shelter where the swans were brought in for cleaning by volunteers, while eight special ships were pumping the oil from the harbour. According to the harbour master, it still remains a mystery how the accident happened, since it was in the middle of the day and very clear weather. The Dutch Safety Board has said they are currently considering whether an investigation will be required. Yeah, the pictures of the swans covered in oil are really sad. Yes, it was really sad. But um, uh, thanks to to uh, to the immediate action by the Rijkswaterstaat, uh, the, the problem could be isolated very quickly and uh, well within a few days all the oil was cleaned but um, cleaning of the of all the birds will take uh, approximately a few weeks yeah but it was really sad and um, it was uh, very nice to see that uh, all these people from Rotterdam volunteered to uh, help clean up to, to help clean up the birds there were more reports this week about scammers targeting immigrants. In the latest incident, a woman in Rotterdam was phoned by someone who said he was from the ENDA Immigration Service and made her verify his phone number was from the government's site. The caller claimed that the woman, an Indian national, was missing immigration documents and would be deported if she didn't pay a fine. The woman realized, after the scammer demanded her husband's contact details, which she knew the Immigration Service already had, that the call was fraudulent. According to the Dutch Justice Ministry, who released a report in January of this year, a total of 160 expats have reported attempts to scam them out of cash by people posing as workers at the IND Immigration Service, and at least 10 attempts have succeeded. Is this a one-off event, or, or have there been more? Um, unfortunately, examples? yeah, unfortunately, this isn't the only recent incident. In March, the Northern Times reported about how an international employee at the University of Groningen was phoned by someone claiming to be from IND and threatened with deportation, detention, or a fine. That victim told the paper that he had his doubts about the legitimacy of the call when he was told to transfer money to an account in the Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. The victim <laughs> attempted to transfer the money via Western Union, but the transaction was refused by the company, so he wasn't actually scammed. Oh, that's good of Western Union that they are in the lookout of these kind of scams. Yeah, and apparently doing more than the immigration services, <laughs> because there's not a whole lot of information about that. So there's a lot of confusion about... You know, sometimes with these... When the, these sorts of scams, the, the you know the sort of uh, agency that's in question will put out these statements saying like we never call you or we'll never ask for this information if we do call you or like you know whatever because of the scamming we can call you but we'll immediately ask you to you know call us back on this like official number or whatever so things that like people can do to immediately verify but the IND hasn't really done like a whole lot of this which has been sort of irritating people. Yeah, that makes sense, and um, I hope that they will uh, they will improve these uh, security uh, measures. Yeah. Even though the Netherlands is not participating in the World Championships in Russia, football, Mali. Oh right, the soccer, soccer. Um, at home, Oranje is having success. On Monday in Scheveningen, Caroline Brouwer became the first woman ever to win the Volvo Ocean Race, a 84,000 kilometer sailing race around the world, which ended in a photo finish. On Sunday, Brouwer's boat, the Dongfeng, was still 50 nautical miles behind the leaders near Denmark, but after taking a tactical route, the Dongfeng was able to take the lead and arrive first in the harbour of Scheveningen, where 20,000 spectators were waiting for the finish on the beach. It is the first year the Volvo Ocean Race allowed mixed teams. Brouwer said to Algemeen Dagblad that it was her goal to become the first woman in the sailing race, and she succeeded. Yeah, congratulations to her. Yes. Here's uh, some uplifting news. Yeah, it's very uplifting. The, uh, uh, the team that was 
on the lead when they were uh, near Denmark was a Dutch team. So the 20,000 spectators on the beach were actually waiting for the Dutch team to, to finish first. But um, uh, they were very sad to, to see that it wasn't the Dutch team, but I think it was a Chinese team where um, where Caroline Brouwer was uh, was participating. Right. But they could spin it into an orange success because uh, well, she she's was Dutch. Uh, she's Dutch, yeah. yeah. Some students didn't get the chance to hang a backpack on a flagpole last week, not because they didn't study hard enough, but because of an administrative error. 354 16- and 17-year-olds at a school in Maastricht had their exam results declared invalid after a whistleblower revealed to the education ministry that there were internal administrative problems with the nonprofit organization that operates the school. An investigation revealed that the students hadn't completed the correct coursework during the year. Initially, students were told that they would have to resit their exams in the summer after completing the coursework, but after an outcry by the community, including a petition which garnered 20,000 signatures, Education Minister Ari Slob said on Wednesday that the department will keep their results on file and give them until January to finish the coursework. Yes, and also because uh, almost 200 parents uh, had joined up in a uh, lawsuit. In a lawsuit, yeah. yeah. So that was uh, also one of the reasons. But how exactly did this happen? It's really not completely clear. The not-for-profit Stichting Limburg's Vorgezet Onderwijs has taken responsibility for the problems, and pupils have complained in the media of having few or no lessons in some subjects which were compulsory. Andre Postema, the chairman of the Stichting, said the two members of the organization's board had resigned, and an external committee would be set up to oversee school exams in the future. Uh, uh, so, so the the exam board um, checked all the requirements, but only after the exams were taken, and then they found out that, uh, yeah, that there was all all these uh, all these things were were missing yeah. or uh, incomplete. Yeah, it seems crazy to me that they could have this list of requirements and that this whole class, you know, three hundred and fifty kids, somehow nobody realized that they hadn't like taken enough coursework i'm not sure how complicated they are but the whole thing seems a little yeah because down there in the south basically (laughs) yeah i i I don't i also don't know what happens but yeah the 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 schools have to do our pre-exams i guess a number of pre-exams for every course and uh, some of them were just not were never given so yeah and if you're a student you assume that your school is doing it right right Right. i would think so yeah yeah. so um at least i don't think there is a a tradition of students or parents of students to check the schools whether they are doing it correctly or not you just assume that they do it yeah i would think so i mean that that's it's literally their job to make sure it's done correctly so um yeah but the um the mbo so the 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 higher schools after the exams have uh in in the area have said that they are going to cooperate with the schools so they're going to allow the students who didn't get their graduation to enroll anyway and uh, will only do their check of if they uh, have to have to have the graduation or uh, if they have their um and do their check if the students, uh, you know, are allowed to sit on the, in the school to. Uh, what am I? What do I want to say? I'm gonna do it again. Okay. So the the local schools, the MBOs, the higher schools where the where the students are going, they have said that they are cooperating with the uh, with the students. So they are going to allow the students to enroll anyway without their you know graduation. Uh, that will give them uh, enough time to uh, complete the to course complete work. the course. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice of them. A neighborhood in Nijmegen is plagued by lampposts mysteriously appearing at random locations. Or at least, that's what it seems. One homeowner was surprised to see that during construction works in his street, a lamppost was placed less than one meter from his front door. 
when the owner of the house, who is now unable to fully open his front door, asked the contractor if the lamppost could be removed, his response was, it's in the drawings, the lamppost must stand here. After causing some local ophef, the municipality of Nijmegen said that the lamppost location is only temporary and it will be removed in September. It's a really long time to not be able to open your door. That's true. Uh, last month there was another incident with a lamppost in Nijmegen. This time it was placed in the middle of the street, completely blocking it for cars. This random lamppost has already been removed. This is a crazy, ridiculous. Why is this happening? Why are they putting these lampposts in places? Well, what I think happened is that you know the contractors they 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 sign a contract that they're going to have to execute all the work that they've been told to do, and yeah. if and if some um, uh, municipality official has drawn a uh, a lamppost incorrectly or the wrong place. Um, the the contractors are going to do it anyway because they are legally obliged to do what they are told. I read, I think, I'm not sure what, maybe it was in the Volkskrant, that the the lamppost that was in the middle of the street, they had realized that this was a problem. They put in the permit to move it, but it hadn't come through in time for the contractor to, to, before the contractor, like, paved the road. Ah, so he first paved the road and after that it was removed. Yeah, but but it hasn't been removed yet. They're going to have to, like, re-dig up the road uh, in order to do it, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, it's a bit crazy. Maybe but... the guy who's got the lamppost in front of his door can get all the neighborhood dogs to pee on it, and then it'll just fall over <laughs> on its own. <laughs> That's very disturbing. And that happened in The Hague, like, two years ago. It really did yeah, it. Yeah, this lamppost, like, fell over and bumped somebody on the head, and when they were, like, trying to figure out why, it turned out that, like... The amount of dog urine had loosened the, I don't know, like ruined the concrete or like whatever they used to like fix it into the ground. It like ate it away. And so it fell over. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this country has all sorts of lamppost related problems. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be discussing all the political news of last week after this word from our sponsor. Except for the climate change book because we forgot. GMW Lawyers is an innovative law firm located in The Hague, with clients based both in the Netherlands and abroad. They are known for their dedicated, committed and no-nonsense approach and will work to achieve the best result for you. GMW specialises in family, employment, corporate, liability and property law. They also support the Legal Expat Desk, a legal resource for internationals. You can find them online at gmw.nl and the Legal Expat Desk at legalexpatdesk.nl. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch you won't be charged for initial legal advice. You can reach them by email at info at gmw.nl. So, Molly, it has been a busy week in terms of politics, hasn't it? Yeah, there's been like a lot of like small stories that we uh, that we wanted to talk about, and uh, they can, a number of them continue to be like somber and serious, and that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but uh, we're just going to... We're just going to have to power through this. Yes, and we're going to have to... We, we just put everything in a discussion. Yeah, this the... is just like a kitchen sink discussion of like random <laughs> stuff that happened in the Netherlands yes, and politics yes, this yes, week. Yes, that's true. What's, uh, what's our first story? Okay, well, our first story is kind of a happy story. After drawn-out replacement process, former Groen Links leader Femke Halsman is to be the new mayor of Amsterdam. She's the first female mayor in the city's history and the first mayor from the left-wing Green Party. This is the first time in nearly 50 years the seat won't be held by the PvdA. 
who lost badly in the last elections. The process of naming a new mayor following the death of Eberhard von der Lahn has taken months and became mired in controversy after applications were reopened when officials said not enough suitable candidates had come forward. Yes, and her appointment is a bit controversial, mostly outside Amsterdam, interestingly enough. Of course. Um, people uh, simply don't like her um, yeah. in some cases because they remember her, her tough image from uh, from the time she was uh, uh, party leader of the GroenLinks in uh, party in the Tweede Kamer. One of the requirements written down by the uh, commission who interviewed the candidate was that the new mayor had to be uh, funny and uh, that's not particularly what she's uh, known for though. Um, other crit- criticism was that she lacks administrative experience. Um, interestingly enough, that comes mostly from people who think Trump is an excellent president. Of course. Um, a lot of people think that uh, uh, she also um, uh, has always been the front runner and that uh, this whole application debacle was just a charade because it was clear from the beginning that she would uh, become the uh, the mayor. It seems weird that they would have to make this big fuss about reopening applications and stuff instead of just, you know, yeah, just letting her be. If that, if it's true that she was like always the front runner, that they would go through this whole. I don't know. I don't buy that. Yeah, so There's that's a lot uh, of conspiracy theory people commenting on Facebook yes, about this. Yes, that's true. What's uh, Harry Baudet have to say about it, Paul? <laughs> that's what everyone's dying to know. Yes, uh, of course, because of this, uh, he could uh, rant again about uh, his party cartel uh, idea and uh, how much he wants to have uh, mayors elected in this country. Um, but it Ironically, it's very likely that uh, Femke Alsma would have become uh, would have been elected the new mayor because, after all, she's from uh, the biggest party in the Amsterdam City Council. Yeah, so I'm not really sure what his uh, his complaints are about, other than just being a cranky person. I got some other interesting uh, political news from uh, from Amsterdam. Yes, um, the city's effort to clean up the red light district has not succeeded, according to a new report by the city council. The report says that uh, the old city centre still has a monoculture of tourist shops and low-value uh, cafes and bars. I love the idea of a low-value cafe. Yes, but when is a cafe not low-value? I don't know. Uh, in addition, there is still no grip on uh, human trafficking and forced prostitution, which seems like a much bigger problem. Yeah, than low-value cafes. Um, the plan's uh, two main ambitions were to replace cannabis cafes and souvenir shops with restaurants and galleries. Yeah. And tackling the sex industry, uh, yeah, again, which seems like a much uh, more yeah. urgent problem. What do you think is the bigger problem? Forced prostitution or not enough art galleries in the city center? It's I'm not going to comment call, on this. Yeah, it's very tough. Um, the plan was created by then Alderman Lodewijk Usher, who now leads the uh, Labour Party. The report uh, says there has been some success, though. For example, housing prices uh, went up in the red light district much more than in other parts of the city. Which Is that considered a success? Yes, I was just going to say, because how, how, how much increase... Was there? How how is having higher house prices in Amsterdam considered a success? No, yeah, but but it increased more than in in any part of of Amsterdam. That's crazy. Um, forty eight closed coffee shops have been replaced with waffle shops and mini supermarkets, which is uh, not what which wasn't their ambition. I do like a good waffle shop, though. I mean, you know. Yeah, but if you have uh, a thousand of them in Amsterdam, then uh, the thousand and one is. They should get together and do a waffle a waffle shop a waffle coffee shop a waffle coffee. 
mean, how great would it be to have a waffle when you're high? That, that's we a million-dollar someone... idea. But the uh, combination of rising prices and tourism has created much unhappiness by uh, the local people. Yeah, we talked about this with our uh, discussion about uh, that CBS report about what was the most worst annoyances in your city. And yes. Amsterdam was basically, like, tourists. So moving from Amsterdam to, uh, to Rotterdam... I don't know why we're talking about Rotterdam, other than Gordon demands it. Yeah, but Gordon isn't here. It's true, but he still demanded that we do something on Rotterdam local elections. Yes, and he has uh, weird hobby horses, like uh, the Rotterdam City Council, climate change, Brexit. Yeah, and that's weird. None of that stuff is news. Yeah. Anyway, the VVD, D66, GroenLinks, PvdA, CDA, and Christian Uni SGP presented their coalition agreement in Rotterdam this week. Noticeably absent was Leif Bar Rotterdam, the largest party on the city council, holding 11 seats. The six-party coalition has 23 of the 45 seats between them. That is a narrow majority. Joost Erdmans, the Leif Bar party leader, called the coalition a scandalous affair in an interview with the Volkskrant. Yeah, uh, mostly because uh, uh, Leif Bar was the largest party in the in the city council after the elections and was completely ignored by the other parties and you know you 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 just named the list of all the parties that were involved. It's a lot. It's a lot. Basically, everybody uh, teamed up against Leefbaar uh, uh, Rotterdam. Uh, and uh, the new coalition is uh, already uh, distancing in themselves from the old coalition. Uh, Leefbaar was part of the old coalition. Uh, there are ambitious uh, infrastructure plans. Uh, so, because, for example, they want to build a new bridge over the Maas and a new metro line that uh, will connect the poor parts of uh, Rotterdam with uh, with the richer parts. Another ambition is that the coalition wants to be the front runner in the transition to renewable energy, which is an enormous task uh, given the uh, all the dirty industry that's uh, located in the port of Rotterdam. According to uh, research, nearly three in ten local politicians in the Netherlands encountered aggression, violence or received threats while carrying out their duties last year. This is an increase uh, compared to the 23% figure of last year. Most threats were made on social media or in face-to-face confrontations, which surprise me yeah. the, the latter usually usually uh, people tend to be much nicer in person than they are on the internet though. not anymore apparently yeah not anymore home affairs minister kaisa lungren has said that um, she has plans to set up a, a national uh, support team that will help uh, local politicians with dealing uh, with uh, with threats the team will include uh, experienced uh, politicians and security experts mayor abu taleb of rotterdam has said uh, this weekend that his uh, security uh, detail was increased after receiving death threats from uh, anti-Islam movement uh, Pegida and added that uh, he receives threats uh, basically on a daily basis. Um, in March, the mayor of uh, Voerendaal was uh, also threatened with a firearm on his way to work. Where is Voerendaal? I don't know. But he was driving to the city hall and uh, somebody uh, jumped in front of his car with a firearm. That's insane. In the middle of... Uh, it was like uh, in a rural area, so it was nobody was there. It's crazy. Yeah, it seems like a, a large problem that uh, that local politicians are, you know, basically threatened on a daily basis, which also adds to the opeth of the uh, Telegraaf mayors, yeah. uh, because they were laughing about uh, a newspaper that was attacked while three in ten of them received them uh, these the kind of threats as well. Threats, yeah. Yeah. Dutch senators on Tuesday voted in favor of bringing in a ban on wearing a burqa or other face-covering clothing on public transport, in government buildings, in schools, and in hospitals. The vote in favor comes 13 years after the burqa ban was first mooted. The ban includes a 400-euro fine for people who cover their faces. Home Minister Kasia Olengran will now discuss with the police and other officials when the bill should come into effect. Olengran's party, the Deza Sesesta, was the only one of the four government coalition parties to vote against the ban. The SP, PVDA, and GroenLinks also voted against. This is really interesting because usually you think that if you form a coalition that you would agree on 
uh, on, on everything basically, right? That yeah, you agree. Us. Yeah. So it shows the interesting uh, coalition we have now. That apparently uh, some parties are free to 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 break from the uh, from the government's uh, opinion on on matters. Yeah. Well, they got to hold it together somehow. There, it's 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 as bad as it is in Rotterdam and the uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, this week uh, also saw a new episode in the Penthouse Saga of D66 leader Alexander Pechtold. It sounds like a, a soap opera. Well, it it truly is. Yeah. Yeah. The Anti-Corruption Commission of the European Council released a report which said that the Tweede Kamer should have stricter rules on the integrity of MPs. And as an example, they named the apartment in Scheveningen Alexander Pechtold received as a gift from a former uh, employer that, that was the former ambassador of Canada in The Hague. Uh, Pechtold did not declare the 135,000 uh, euros worth apartment in the Tweede Kamer's gift register because, quote, it was a private gift. Is there a separation in the gift register for public and private gifts? There isn't, no. But he says, uh, I received this as a private person and not as an MP. But... That's can can you turn off your your yeah. MP? Although it would seem weird if you had to like declare in the gift register every year like what your kids got you for Father's Day and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I wonder if if people do that. I don't, I don't think so. No, I think for for children a, there has to be an exception. Yeah, or I, like your spouse maybe. Yeah, yeah. And like I assume family. I, ass- I assume I there's family. some sort of like minimum, maximum, minimum floor that you have to like write. Like you don't have to declare like. If, if the guy in front of you in line at the coffee shop buys your coffee because he's in a cheerful mood, you don't have to, like, declare the two, two euro coffee. There right? are MPs. I know that there are MPs that just decline every gift because they they, they don't want to register yeah. it. But apparently you're, you're, it's not uh, uh, compulsory to, to declare it. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, for example, Pertold... Uh, um, refused to do it and there wasn't a rule that, that forced him he to do to. it though yeah. um, and that's part of the criticism from this uh, European Council right. and of course it was Geert Wilders of the anti-EU PVV who pointed out the irony of the criticism from the European Union to the leader of the pro-EU D66 but he completely ignored the irony of Wilders' dismissal of the Council's numerous critiques on the PVV. Of course. Yes. Um, as a result of the report, the Presidium of the Tweede Kamer will look into whether it's needed to improve the Parliament's integrity rules for MPs. I, I think if there's no rule that says you have to declare an entire house, that you should change the rules. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it's uh, uh, on, on the Yenek talk show, they uh, they wanted to take a look into uh, how the apartment looks like because it's, it's on the top of a building. So they... You know, the media calls it the penthouse of Pechtold because right. that sounds, uh, of course, very nice. Um, but uh, there was one of one of the apartments in that building was for sale. So they went they went uh, upstairs with a broker and uh, t- took a look at the apartment. And uh, it's it's almost as large as my studio in Delft. Yeah, it's not. It's, I mean, it's, for one hundred and thirty five thousand euros, it can't. And on the Skavening a beach, it can't yeah. be that big. It's yeah. forty five uh, square meters, so yeah. it's really tiny. But still, it's it was a gift of uh, one hundred thirty five thousand. Yeah, it so. seems a little. No, I'm 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 pro having to declare things like this. Yes, me too. Speaking of ongoing sagas, this week saw another episode in the ongoing dividend taxed ophef. As we know, the coalition's plan is to scrap the dividend tax, which is controversial because it will cost one point eight billion euros even though none of the coalition parties had this measure in their party manifestos. The measure created a number of political scandals about lost or forgotten memos on the dividend tax, reminiscent of the lost or forgotten receipts from the Bonnich's affair. <laughs> the only scientific report that backed the measure was revealed to be commissioned and paid for by Shell. 
So what's this episode all about exactly, Paul? Please refresh our listeners' memories. Um, Prime Minister Mark Rutte has said in a response to an MP's question two weeks ago that he was not informed by a dividend tax deal made by the Dutch government and Shell four years ago. Um, That cost, it was later revealed, 7 billion euros uh, in total. Um, Rutte later, uh, earlier this week, corrected the answer by saying that he was actually informed and uh, that, of course, sparked anger by the Tweede Kamer. SP leader Marijnissen spoke of explosive information and a smelly deal. Rutte had to come for a debate, but as always, Rutte was able to survive it. He um, uh, also survived a new motion of no confidence by Geert Wilders, an emotion that called for full transparency on the dividend tax did not get a majority as well. So the lessons from this are, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up that gets you. And Rutte's Teflon. And we should just stop yes. trying to make these things yes. stick to him. Yes, and it was uh, the leader of the SGP who uh, who commented that every time we have a debate in a parliament about the dividend tax, it's about the things that happens around the dividend yeah. tax. We don't have an actual substantial debate about is it wise, is it is it good to scrap the dividend tax. It's always about... Where is the memo? Did you forget about the memo? Right. What was this deal? What was this? It's always something like that. And yeah. it's never really okay. about the dividend tax. Yeah. Which was, ironically, the voice of reasoning in Parliament, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, the SAP has its moments, I guess. Yeah. Last but not least, the climate change bill that we totally and 100% did not forget. At all. <laughs> Seven parties in Parliament have reached agreement on the text of the new climate law, which says the Netherlands should aim to cut carbon dioxide production by 49% compared with 1990 by 2030. In addition, the new law says that there should be a legally binding reduction of 95% by 2050 and that electricity production should also be 100% CO2 neutral by then. This is the most ambitious climate law in the world, said GroenLinks leader Jasse Klaver. It is historic and it is going to change the Netherlands. It's interesting to see that it's another, you know, uh, untraditional way to 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 make a new law. Yeah. Uh, usually there are laws. You know, every MP can 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 put a law, can write a law himself and put it to the vote. But now this time it's a joint effort between all these parties. Yeah. Some of them are were in the previous coalition and were in the new coalition as well. Yes. So it's uh, it's interesting to see how this uh, new law was uh, was developed yep. in this very untraditional way. And also that the VVD has gone along with this despite not being super like pro uh, doing stuff about climate change. Also the same for the Christian Union and the CDA to some degree. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. I think uh, VVD is uh, moving uh, more and more towards um, an environmental friendly um, Yeah. Um, uh, policy, yeah. I guess. But of course, GroenLinks is not in the coalition, so it's it seems, yeah, it's just I think it shows your point that it's kind of a weird coalition structure because this is clearly something that GroenLinks wanted, um, but they're not in the coalition, but they got it anyway. Yeah, and the initiative of this law was taken in the previous cabinet between GroenLinks and PvdA. PvdA was the was the party that was of course in the coalition, so they joined efforts with a uh, with the opposition party yep. later on all these other parties uh, joined the efforts as well including the faith day but yeah it's uh, it's it's interesting to see that uh, that they are um, you know basically doing that job because yeah. that's what MPs are yeah. supposed to do uh, 
copyright laws. Well, that's all we have uh, for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leaving us a rating. My thanks to uh, Molly Quell and not to Gordon Derek. I'm Paul Peters. We'll be back next week. Thank you.